Glad you guys are here to worship with us at Church in the Valley. Uh, we're going to continue a message series on heroes, and we're going to take a look at heroes from the Bible that have really shown us how to live in accordance with their character, the faith they've chosen, the choices that they've made. Um, so we're going to dig in today in the story of Daniel and find a little bit about his life and really how we can learn from him. Uh, I was thinking through the, the subject of heroes there's something in us that we all have some sort of appeal to a hero. Uh, even from the age of just a young kid, there's something about heroes that appeals to us all. As adults, it's the same thing. It's funny, we just, this past week, and my neighbor had, neighborhood had the National Night Out. And the neighborhood gets together, talks about safety and code enforcement, and the highlight of the night is when the Policemen and firefighters come. You know, the fire truck pulls up. You know, you got cop cars, little kids get in the back of the cop car, and parents are thinking, oh, please, not a self fulfilling prophecy, you know. And then all the dads, as soon as the firemen and cops get out, they're like, man, kid doesn't even know who I am now. You know, and, and they give little fire hats to the kids, and, and these kids are like, wow, these people are heroes. You know, and you look at our culture, it's, it's the same. In so many different facets, we have sports people that, if they're successful, they become heroes. You, you buy their jerseys, they eat Wheaties, you eat Wheaties. It's true. You've got business people, if they're successful and they said they read this book, you've already ordered it on Amazon. Expedited shipping, just so it gets here quickly. The heroes of today, they, they endorse and we buy. They sell us what they've done, and, and we want to be a part of that. They, they have so much power. You know, there's also a disillusionment that we face in today's culture with our heroes. You know, it's like the kid that buys the jersey of his, just his favorite sports star, and then the guy does something really stupid, and it's the featured item at the next garage sale. You know? Our heroes become a disappointment to us. You know, just look at the sport of baseball. Need I say more? You look at the, the, the Wall Street business, people that have made millions of dollars come find out they're, they're frauds. These people were on a pedestal to our culture. It's kind of like what Randy said. As we look at biblical heroes, the good news about biblical heroes is their life has already been written. Daniel cannot screw up today. He's not here. But what we have is the testimony of his life. And the same with all the, the heroes in the Bible. We all... Mess up. Our heroes mess up. The heroes from the Bible, they mess up. But what we find is as we look at people that really stood for the right thing, heroes today, heroes that have stood for the right thing to follow after God in the Bible, we find that we can learn a lot from their lives. So we're going to dig in. Uh, the life of Daniel is very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of parallels today. Daniel was a man that followed after God and set his life to obey his law. Uh, he came from a noble family uh, who wanted to take things seriously as it came to following after God. Well, he was in a unique situation. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar was like the leader and king of the Babylonians. And this country was, this government was just ruthless. Uh, their MO was they came, they conquered, and the culture that existed was wiped out, and they created a new culture. They did this by bringing basically the best out of each culture, the men, the best-looking men, the best-looking women, 
They made them eat certain things. They drank certain things. They had to wear certain things. And they were educated according to the standards that they set. And they just came to countries, dissolved the country, and grew more powerful. So Daniel was one of these men that was recruited. Daniel was a good-looking guy. Came, uh, the, the officials of the army said, okay, these men, let's teach them to be Babylonians. Let's conquer them and make them our own. And in the book of Daniel, you'll find a lot of situations in which Daniel had to live with proven conviction and resolve. Uh, we don't really find many people speaking about conviction today or the word resolve. But when you think about a hero, one of the things that disappoints us the most about the heroes that fail is that in tough situations, they didn't stand for what is right. No matter who you've put, whether it's a parent when you're a young kid, and then 13 when you think, never mind, I can't follow my parent as my hero, sports star, whoever that person is, when they failed, it's, and it's disappointed us because at a certain time, they just chose not to do the right thing. Well, Daniel really sets the pace as an example of proven conviction, resolve. That really is proven determination to do what is right, no matter the situation. A proven determination to do what is right. So we're going to dig in. So Daniel is in this situation where the government is saying, this is how you have to look, this is how you have to eat, this is what you need to do. The problem that Daniel faced was the food that he was asked to eat, he couldn't eat according to God's law. People think it was pork. They think it was sacrifice to idols. All these things went against what God had told them to do. So Daniel was in a tough spot thinking, okay, they want to dissolve and conquer, and I have to obey their laws. And let's pick up in the Scriptures and find out what, what he did. And Daniel 1.8, powerful statement, says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. It's an interesting point. The food that they had was the best of the best. We're talking gourmet, rich food, the best drink that you could have. And Daniel essentially says, you know what? I know what you guys are offering me is like filet mignon. I want saltine crackers. Do you imagine the irony of that? The chief official's thinking, okay, interesting. But Daniel decided, I I cannot eat this food, I cannot drink this wine. And he resolved himself to do what is right in this situation. We pick up later in verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord and King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see... You looking worse than the other men, the other young men your age. The king would then have my head because of you. The official is just freaked out. Wait a second. No, no, no. You got to have the fillet. If you look worse, I'm going to get killed for it. Serious situation. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. In this few verses, we we find an interesting point about living in conviction. You see, Daniel had a few options he could have done. He could have just said, okay, I'll eat it because I don't want to get killed. I'll do what you tell me to do. Or he could have fled, just said, I got to leave this. I can't do this. And he ran away. 
You find he didn't do either of those. He stood in the face of the official, the authority over him, and said, you know, I know that your goal in doing this is make us as healthy as we can be to serve the empire. So Daniel, while doing right, was very creative in the way that he approached the authorities over him. He did right, but at the same time knew that the goal was for them to be as healthy and as strong as possible. So he gave him a scenario. He said, you know, I'm just going to eat vegetables. I'm going to become a vegetarian and you'll find that I am so much more healthy. So the official took him up on it. said, okay, let's check back in, in 10 days. The interesting thing that we can learn from Daniel here is he didn't run away in the face of opposition, but instead with his creative mind, thought of a way to do right and at the same time still live. That's pretty important, don't you think? How about I do this and I won't die and I can still obey God? Daniel decided that that might be a good thing. But you see, God desires his children to engage the world around them within his boundaries. There's a part of us as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, and if you've lived in this culture for a day, you know there's just things that you experience that go against what God wants you to do. The way people relate, the way people spend their money, their time, their values are very different. But there's something in us that when we face the opposition or we face the different culture, we're we're not quite sure what to do. What we find from the Bible is God's mission on earth is for Christians to engage the world around them. For them to share what it is they think about things. Why they behave the way they behave. In that, God hopes to see, people will see the difference in our lives and realize there is a value in God. Daniel was doing the same thing thousands of years ago. And the same thing still applies today. Um, 15 and 16, we find out what happened. This is on the PowerPoint, not on your outline. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Did you pick up on that? Not only did the four men become vegetarian, but it made them so healthy Every single man that was in this position, that was a slave, had to change their complete diet. Now, I'm not going to lie. If I was one of those guys, I'd be a little upset. I'm a carnivore. And Daniel here changed his diet. He's looking better than he already did, which was good, apparently. He's healthy, strapping. And I just pounded all the food I want to pound, drunk all the wine I want to drink. And all of a sudden, uh, give your plate back. Here's zucchini. Okay? But you see, Daniel, from choosing at that point to not break God's law, to not go along with the crowd, you could just picture all these people were doing this. They all were eating. But these four men decided, you know, I'm going to do what's right. The other three, you may have heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are his three buddies that decided, you know, let's do this together and see what happens. He had influence over the official And he changed the whole nutrition plan for that entire group of people. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. That one choice changed the whole view in that moment of that that official. Um, So credibility was given to Daniel. He got power. He got influence. And he also gave credibility to God. You see, Daniel wasn't deciding to do this because he was a nutritionist. 
He didn't think, well, you know, it'd be better if we ate vegetables. He thought, I can't break God's law. Let's eat vegetables so we can be obedient to God. And so Daniel got influence and also God got credibility because everyone knew Daniel and his three friends followed the God of Israel. That's what happens. When followers of Christ decide to stand for something in a given situation to do the right thing, according to God's word, God gives you credibility and at the same time, by the way we act and the way that we handle ourselves, it makes God look good as well. That's the opportunity we have as Christians to choose the right thing in the tough circumstance. Uh, in the New Testament, we find this as well. This idea of how do you engage the world, you still relate, but at the same time, stay within the boundaries of God. First Peter three thirteen through 16 says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer or should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's kind of like you could picture this happening in Daniel's time. Could you imagine all these guys, they're just eating all the meat and everything that they want. And there's Daniel eating a vegetable kebab. And people are thinking, What's wrong with you? You know, you can picture Daniel saying, well, God told me I can't eat that meat, and so I'm not going to. And what First Peter is saying, as you relate and you engage and explain why you do the things that you do to the people who don't know God, they cannot speak wrong about God because of what they see in your life. That's the idea of always being prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. It's a struggle, though. Sometimes we... You know, we, we choose not to do something because we know it's wrong, but then we're kind of ticked about it because we wanted to do it. You know, in high school, you find this a lot. Like, you can't go to the party because you know you shouldn't. You're not going to go? No, I can't. And you, you act like the world just fell down. No, I've got to do the right thing. This verse is saying, no, you, you, you do it in a way that you, you show that you have hope. You're explaining in a way that, with gentleness and respect, I have hope because I know what is right to do. Uh, Romans 12.2 explains this. Engaging the world, but at the same time not conforming. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the idea of, when you kind of know Christ, you start thinking differently about things. When you're in a given situation in a certain relationship, you may have related it a certain way to somebody through manipulation or through slander or just the way you talk to them. And you've always done that. It was modeled to you. You do it. When you come to know Christ, this verse is saying you change your mind about that. You start realizing that although I've always done this, that's really not what God wants. And so you change by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You know, we, we're faced today with so many demands on what's important. You thought about TV these days? The people who invented TV and DVR and everything, they've, they've enabled it so you can pause TV to never miss anything. Remember the first commercial where they paused live TV and you were like, 
oh my goodness, the world has changed. We, we can consume information at any point of any part of the day. I'm terrible at this. You know, you're driving on the road, you're seeing billboards, advertising stuff, and then you're checking your phone. But then they change the law and you don't do it anymore. Right? Um, but at any point, I'm inundated. And they're pushing their value. This is what you need to buy. This is what's important. This is who is important. And that's, that's like today's Babylon. This, this idea of the culture is pushing the values. The culture is pushing. These are the people that epitomize cool. Epitomize what you should do. And we don't even realize it. We just get this all thrown at us, thrown at us, thrown at us. And we have to make a stand like, damn, you know what? I can't just do what they tell me to do. I can't do what they think is right because it may not go with God's law, what God's told me to do. So we're faced with that today. There's, there's three different perspectives we can have as we try to engage the world. So we engage those that don't know God. There's three things we can do. First is we can be isolated. This is, I'm a Christian now. I can't come out of my cave because the world is evil. Which is true. But when you get to know the heart of God, you know he wants to change people's lives. You can't change people's lives in a cave. Because there's no people there. So God wants us to enter into these relationships with the people around us. While at the same time maintaining our Christian identity. So the first is isolation. We just we can't handle the pressure and the, the varying beliefs that challenge our faith and we just pull away. Uh, the second is... Uh, we can be infiltrated. We had good intentions. We wanted to walk with God. We get around people that, that don't value God. The next we know, we become like them. They influence us. We get pulled away. And we become like the people that don't know God. Third is, we can be insulated, which is what Daniel did. He took the word of God, the laws that he knew, he knew to be true. And he decided, how in this circumstance can I obey God and do the right thing for God and for the authority over me as well? How can I implement God's boundary in this specific situation? So those are, those are the three options. If you're like me, I, I've been sucked into the culture of the world easily without even realizing it. Um, I had a trip in college where I went to Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas, City of Bright Lights. And I put a quarter in a slot machine once, and I pulled the handle, and I got $150. I know. It was amazing. I thought, like, I had beat the system with one pull. I was going to write a book, How to Beat Vegas with One Pull. Bestseller, New York Times. Um, and so I, I kind of was like, wow, that was, that was really cool. And before I knew it, I was kind of on this, like, this greed rampage just like that. I was just in Vegas having fun. Next thing I know, I was like, I just got 150 bucks. So we go out on the street, and I'm kind of thinking, man, this, this thing's easy. If I can get 150 with one pull, what, what could I do with the guy on the street with the cards? We have to guess the card. Don't do it. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in line, and there's a crowd of people. And he's like, where's the queen of clubs? And I'm, and I'm looking at the cards, and I see the queen of clubs, and he's shifting it around, and I see it, I see it, and I point to it, and he's the queen of clubs. And he says, show me you had the money. 
The next thing I know, dude's got the $150 of mine in his pocket. And he's like, all right, let's play. And I, I'm in this vortex of Las Vegas gambling. And I'm thinking, all right, queen of diamonds. I mean, queen of, queen of clubs? That's my problem. I can't even remember what I was supposed to see. So I'm looking, I'm looking, and there's a woman down the way that's like, you can do it. You the man. And I'm like, I can do it. I'm the man. And then there's another guy that's like, watch it, bud, watch it. You know where it is. You know where it is. And I'm, I'm just, I know where it is. I know where it is. I had a friend that was with me. This is a true story, unfortunately. I had a friend that was with me. And he came and he came right in front of my face and he said, Alex, don't do it. And I just was like, but I just got 155 minutes ago. So he changed the cars. All the distractions, I have no idea where the card is. And I just, it's there. And he, and he picks it up. And at that moment, I realized I was sucked into the vortex. I was, I was in the greed making money. Sad thing was, he took my $150. I didn't have money for Denny's the next day. It was embarrassing. I mean, honestly, like, it ruined my whole time. We had a few days left, and the rest of the time I was like, Hey, man, can I borrow money? Thank you. Man. But that, that's how quickly it happens. We have to know what we believe. And we have to stick to those beliefs because it's so easy to get sucked in. And as followers of Christ, if he's the boss, we've got to be aware of the boundaries. Because the next you know, you're at Denny's with no food. So what are the roots of conviction? How can we, in a specific situation, choose to do the right thing? First thing is, make up your mind. Make up your mind about how you're going to handle yourself. If it's in a relationship, make up your mind. How are you going to speak to the person? What's your attitude going to be? How are you going to treat them? Make up your mind before you get in the situation. You see, Daniel... I believe, never wrote something to himself in his journal that said, you know what, if I'm ever asked to eat royal food and wine, I'm not going to do it. No, he made up his mind to say, you know, I'm going to follow God at all costs. I'm going to do what he's told me to do, no matter what the situation. You find if, you're in a, if you haven't made up your mind and you get in certain situations, it's really hard to choose to obey God. Think about the different arenas. If, if you're dating... What are, what are the boundaries that you've set according to God's word about the person you're going to date, about the way you're going to treat each other, uh, with your words, the way that you communicate? Have you nailed down and decided, you know, God really says I should communicate this way. I shouldn't slander people. I shouldn't be quick to speak. As you nail this down and you decide, you find you can really choose to obey God and do what's right. Uh, second thing is take personal responsibility. That's really choosing yourself to do that right thing. Uh, Daniel 1.8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. You see, the, the situation for me in Vegas, I, I didn't care. Even with my friend coming and saying, don't do it, Alex, I decided I, I was going to do it. If you want to stand for what is right, you have to decide to take personal responsibility for your own convictions. You find this a lot. If you've always had your parents' conviction, you leave home. After a while, those convictions are no longer your own. You make new. So you have to decide 
take personal responsibility to do what is right and decide what those things are. Third is, is live by faith. A lot of times when we're in certain situations, whatever the arena of life, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's how we spend our money, how we use our time, we're not exactly sure how things are going to come through. In Daniel's life, 12 through 14, we read this earlier. It says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to do this and tested them for 10 days. That is fascinating. Daniel is basically saying, you know, in 10 days, come back. Daniel had no idea in 10 days what would happen. Honestly, I think he was probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I hope these vegetables work. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But he knew he had to choose the right thing at the front end. I will not go against God's law, and I'm going to do this. And God will come through. Ten days later, he did. And he changed the whole nutrition guide for that whole group of people. God came through. That's what happens. As we choose to do the right thing and choose to have resolve in a certain situation, God honors that. But you have no idea. That's what happens with faith. The blessing comes after you choose to obey. You know, Daniel didn't say, God, will you show me that I'm going to be better in 10 days than right now? You don't find that in the Bible. He just went out and stepped out in faith and said, this is what we're going to do. And it worked out. What you find with God is it's not by chance. If you choose to do right and you live by faith, God comes through. It's not a roll of the dice. That's why it's so important to have conviction and to do the right thing. Because you have God on your side and he will prove you right. There's a lot of of power in that. Um, The rewards of, of proven conviction. We find this in 17 through 20. So he went out on a limb, decided, you know, I can't do this. Ten days, come back. In ten days, they came back, realized, wow, Daniel was right. And he follows that God of his, and it seems to be working for him. Look what happens. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a ruthless king. If he said your life was over, your life was over. If he said you, you'll have power, you had power. That's how he, he worked. He says the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. This is just a little example in the book of Daniel of a man and three of his friends that said, you know what, we're going to do right. And the next they knew, they are the counsel of the king. It's a crazy situation. Then you read further in Daniel. You know, Daniel is the same one that got thrown in the lion's den. And that's what you find. No matter how many times you choose conviction in a certain situation, you're going to have to do it again. That's what it means to live the Christian life. All the situations that you face in life, 
You have to keep making those choices. You can't at one time say, okay, I'm going to do the right thing, and then just kind of follow the crowd the next time. So he got thrown in the, the lion's den. Not a lion touched him. It's interesting because you think, well, maybe the lions weren't hungry. Well, then they threw in the officials that put him in the den and they ate them all up. Only God can close the mouths of lions. Then you find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were his three friends. Thrown in the firing furnace because they would not bow down and worship the idol. Because it wasn't right. And the guards took him up to the fiery furnace and it was so hot, the guards putting him in died. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out and not a fire was singed. I walk by a fireplace, my, fi- my arm hair gets singed. These guys are in the fiery furnace and not a hair on them. It wasn't because they were special, it was because they chose to obey God. So I encourage you, check out the book of Daniel and see, man, how would you stand for what is right? How God comes through. So I encourage you to think through what are the, the things in your own life right now where you need to choose to do the right thing. You need to choose to have resolve. Is it in a relationship where you just have to stay with God's boundary on the way that you treat the person? No matter how they treat you, are you going to treat them according to how God wants you to treat them? With lovingness, with kindness. With your money, there are a lot of things pulling at us to spend our money certain ways. It's so easy to get sucked into that. People get stuff, materials. We look at that and it's attractive to us. It's appealing. But do we need to use our resources differently for the kingdom of God opposed to to our own needs and wants? Mostly of the time it's just the toys that we want. With your time, you know, there's people in my own life that spend time a certain way, doing the things that they want to do. And I have to choose, you know, I have to use my time in accordance with what God wants me to do. Because I only have a limited amount of it. So think through those different arenas. What are the things that you need to do to choose to stay within the boundaries, to do the right thing, to have that proven determination to do what's right? Ecclesiastes 2.26 This is basically a a statement. It just says, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. It's showing the result. If you do this and really live by conviction, God will give you influence and understanding and happiness. He will bless you. Uh, There's some next steps you can take. Uh, They're on your connection card. I encourage you to fill those out and drop them in the offering when it comes by. We'll pray for you this week as you take that next step. First one is memorize Romans 12.2. That's the verse that talks about don't be uh, conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, second is I'll check the scripture and discover boundaries about an area I struggle with. Is there something that you know you're not quite sure what it means to do right in that area? If you need help finding scriptures, we can help you. Let us know in your connection card. I encourage you to do that. Third, I'll choose to do right in the specific situation I face this week. Decide now. You may not know what the situation is, but decide now that you're going to do the right thing. Make up your mind. Uh, last, I'll trust God with the outcome in a tough situation. 
A lot of times, just like Daniel, we choose to do the right thing and we have no idea how it's going to turn out. And so we've got to trust God that he will come through. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for the testimony of Daniel, his life, and of his friends. They give us hope. Um, We may not be faced with the huge trials and circumstances they were faced with. And you came through for them, and I know you come through for us, what we face. So God, give us the strength and the ability to discern right from wrong. Give us the ability to see the way out of temptation. Uh, Keep us in tune with your spirit, God, that we may please you. God, I ask just as we fear and are not quite sure how things are going to turn out when we choose to do the right thing, God, just give us hope and faith as we we trust in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.